Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. This is host with the most hopsy. Go giggity, baby boy. Don't you touch that dial. Stay for a while for regular scheduled programmings. Folks, it was a cold one here the past week at studio headquarters in Calgary, Alberta. Highs of the minus 30s. For a week straight. It was rough. I couldn't have an episode come out. Mike was frozen. There was no opportunity. Alberta's grids were off the chart. I couldn't use the electricity to derive the power it takes to create a show of this stature. But I am always happy to be joined with you now. Lots going on in this world. I mean, when, it was th- when it's that cold, there's something about it. I had an experience... like. We had a really soft start to winter out here in Alberta. Really nice weather. Like, you know, Christmas, we barely had snow on the ground. You know, it wasn't a typical white winter out here. But uh, they made up for it that past week. We had the lowest recorded temperature in Calgary in over 20 years. I think it was like minus 35.6 or something like that before wind chill. So, not ideal. Not ideal. My friends to the south, I think that's like minus 25 Fahrenheit. I'm not, I'm pretty good with Fahrenheit above zero, but once it gets below zero, it makes my brain start to hurt. But yeah, it was brutal. I got the dog. The dog didn't get outside very much. The dog wants to get outside. He's going stir crazy inside of the home. And you bring him out. And like, I don't got those boots. Those boots are a myth. Can't get my dog to wear those boots. And first of all, your dog shouldn't be wearing boots, right? That's first and foremost. But he gets out there, and he can't even step on the ground. It's so cold. He goes out there. His paws are frozen. His ass is frozen. Mouth's frozen shut. Can't talk. So it was a tough week for him. You know, a lot of indoor time. And uh, just about yesterday was the first time you could get out and actually enjoy the outdoors for a bit because it it was just too cold. Ski hills were closed out here. I mean, the highway was just littered with broke like broken down cars on the side of the road. It was a crazy time. And one thing about um, Calgary, no salt on the roads, just gravel. And I love it because, you know, he doesn't rust your car and whatnot. But it's something that we might have to consider. The salt has to come because it is like, it's a skating rink out around where I am. And a lot of these people, they drive so careful in these conditions, it just makes everything so dangerous. But, I mean, rightly so. You know, some people probably don't got good tires on. Everyone's sliding around. It's a mess out there, people. So make sure if you're in the Calgary region that you are staying safe and that you are staying secure. All right? Because winter's definitely here out west, and um, I don't think uh, it's probably not going anywhere for a couple months. So gear down. Enjoy your winter sports. If you're a Canadian up in the winter... You got to get outside. You can't just stay inside for for the whole season of winter. That's crazy. And a lot of Canadians do. Proud winter folk. But a lot of them, they're not really getting out there for those winter activities. So it's something that you should consider with your next of kin, your family, your friends, your loved ones. Okay? This is really weird. Like, I just, I don't know why I have to bring this up. This is fascinating. Um, High Noon Seltzer is the highest selling liquor in the States. Liquor. I wouldn't. I, I know it's a seltzer. It's a vodka beverage. They sell ready-to-drink fruit-flavored vodka beverages. It's a five-year-old startup. And last year they did 
billion in retail sales. 50 times more sales than LaCroix. What's LaCroix? I don't know. I'm not looking that up. But they sell more liquor than any other liquor brand in the, enti- in the entire United States. 10% of all liquor sold last year was High Noon Seltzer. 1 in 10 beverages sold in the States last year. High Noon Seltzer. I, 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 don't, have a, I don't have a producer on me. Like who, 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 who owns High Noon Seltzer? You're going to hear my fingers going. But seriously, E.J. Ian e J. Galloway. The I always thought, like I won't lie, the first time I ever I ever heard of High Noon, I thought it was Dave Portnoy making weird videos floating in like a pool floaty. And I, I honestly thought it was like I thought he was he was part of the ownership, but apparently not. Despite the role Barstool played in marketing and promoting High Noon, the hard bre- the hard seltzer brand is owned by E&J Gallo Winery. So, not owned by Barstool. But this is only a five-year-old startup. And in five years, they have gone to sell 10% of all the liquor sold in the States. They sold 50 times more than Tito's Vodka. And people that like Tito's Vodka kind of always made me laugh. Because, like... I'm not a big vodka drinker. Like, vodka is vodka to me. Like, you're probably mixing it with a drink. Like, who fucking cares? Everyone loves Tito's, and Tito's seems to be, like, this big deal brand. If, if, if they sold twice as many high noons as Tito's, that's, that's crazy. And what I'm being told is that their CEO, he's selling it not to people, but to a time. A type of use occasion. So, if beer is designed for the afternoon, if aprovitos are designed for before dinner time, maybe wine you're going to have with your steak during dinner. And then maybe after dinner time, you might partake in a quick amarero. But I don't know. Also, beer can be for any time of the day. But... This seltzer, this, this high noon, like, when I think of high noon, I think of just, like, I don't know. I think of, like, a, I don't know, like, a beach party, day drinking, maybe a wedding reception. Could also be a good beverage to grab in, like, a work environment, like a work event. You know, it's not too serious, but it's also, like, not too hardo, like a 24-year-old associate at a college trying to have a Manhattan with his upper leadership team. Like, it's a perfect, it is a beverage that it kind of breaks down all societal norms. Like, if you're on vacation and you're having a high noon, it just kind of like, it signifies the vacation itself. I actually, I know, they're much better than White Claws. They're all kind of the same, those seltzers. But this one, you don't call it a seltzer. It's a, it's a ready-to-drink, fruit-flavored vodka beverage. But something to think about. Do you like high noons? Because they're t- apparently they're taking over the goddamn fucking world. So be ready for that. It ain't Rome coming after us. It's high noon seltzers. And now that I'm on this weird um, tangent, this is something that I, I was, I don't know why I was reading this. And then immediately after, this caught my attention in a, in a fairly quick manner. The third highest performing stock in the S&P 500 last year was Royal Caribbean Cruises. Royal, the cruise company, they were up 160% last year, all on the open water, baby. (laughs) 
Evo. But Royal Caribbean, this is the actual story. They just got the biggest boat in the history of the fucking world. And I mean, we've been uh, we've been boating for a long time on this globe. We've been sailing the seas as long as I can remember and way before that. But the Royal Caribbean, that's the the name of the new ship, is the Icon of the Seas. The biggest ever quarter mile long cruise ship. It would take you a four minute sprint from bow to stern. With seven pools, six water slides, 2,000 rooms plus, and eight different neighborhoods on board. It is the size of five Titanics. You imagine those poor fucks that nailed the iceberg back in the day? They think they're sailing on the greatest ship in the world. And when was the Titanic? When was the Titanic? God, no. See, I don't have like a, I don't have a producer. So when was the Titanic? When was the Titanic crash? Let's just do that. April fourth, nineteen twelve. So one hundred and eleven years ago. That was the biggest ship of all time. In just a short hundred years, we're five time we're five Xing that. We're five Xing that. Over two thousand rooms. This motherfucker cost two billion dollars to make. That is fifty percent higher than the previous most expensive ship of all time. So two billion dollars for a boat. I mean, the size of it, I was almost expecting more. That's why I laugh. Like I feel like I'm one of these dumb, dumb younger people. That's just like we don't have, we don't know the value of money. Oh, it's only two billion dollars. Two billion dollars. The average ticket price is three hundred and fifty dollars American a night. The ship can hold seventy six hundred passengers at a time, and it can bring in one billion dollars a year in revenue. In revenue. So minus these insane operating costs. I mean, you got to pay the, you got to pay the pool boy. You got to pay the bellhop. You got to play the masseuse in the back room with the hot rocks and the little extra tip gets you a little fluffed up, you know. That'll bring in 200 million dollars a year in profit. 1 billion dollars a year in revenue, 200 million a year in profit. So 80 cents of the dollar Royal Caribbean's bringing in is going straight to operating costs. So that means 10 years at those numbers just to pay off the fucking ship. 10 years of the icons sailing these seas. And then it'll, it'll turn a profit. In 10 years, I imagine. Imagine the shit they'll be... They'll, we'll have drones flying around with trips around the seas in the, in the world. No one's going to be flying up to the icon of the seas in 10 years. But that's what, how long it's going to take to pay off. Apparently, I was reading after, they say that some, some of these ships are in commission for 30 years. Now, a, a cruise is something I've never been on. I know that people that take them seem to be extremely into them. But like a cruise to me is just like, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. It sounds like being stuck in a Holiday Inn that you can't leave the lobby because you're out at sea. You're just stuck in there. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's sick. Again, seven pools, six water slides. I'm sure there's some some good restaurants in there. Maybe a live singer. You can throw a $5 bill into the little cupcake jar there and give her a little tip because she's singing, the, she's singing the songs that pull your heartstrings. But that is just never, it's just never interested me. 
Like you're like a barnyard animal. Like what does the recess bell go off when you can go upstairs and get your dinner, get your slop? Like I've known people that like worked on cruise ships and too, and 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 like it seems like all dandy. I'm not if that's what you're into, I'm fine with it. But fuck, does that not interest me at all? Could not interest me less to go on a cruise, and I I I, I truly don't plan on it. And like again, this is not a this is not in no way a political podcast. Again, I think we've reiterated that no way a political podcast. But I laugh like we're up in Canada, and like we we're paying a carbon tax on anything that is emitting carbon and I get it you know it's environment the environment's very important and we have to protect it but we're going to tax the common man on everything that uses carbon which is a lot of things in the in the normal man's life and then we got the fucking icon of the seas ripping around the open waters while they're just drumming up batches of chimichurri portside just feeding these slop monsters. It's like a buffet. I heard, I bet, I can just imagine the clientele on most cruises. It's like people that want to eat with their hands. Like they want, they go through, it's like prison to me. The idea of a cruise is like prison to me. Imagine what that thing's pumping out. So they want me to pay carbon tax on my fucking two bedroom apartment. And then I got these people out at sea doing donuts in the open water. It just makes no fucking sense to me. We had a mayor, the new mayor of Calgary. She's not even new. She's been in for a long time, a year or so over. The mayor of Calgary, she gets in office and she, she, uh, what's it called? Initiates a climate emergency. Jody, what the fuck is a city going to do for a climate, a climate emergency sounds like a global issue. What's the city of Calgary going to accomplish there? Like I just, and trust me, I grew up, in this, you know, we we're always hearing about, you know, environmental catastrophe and, and all this stuff. And trust me, I get it. Like, I was, I grew up, I was the first one. I'm turning all the lights off and everything. I can remember listening to much music and they had like a commercial and it was like, anytime that you can turn a light off for three seconds, that's making a difference and saving enough power to see change. And then like, what's the, what's the saying? It's like, don't think that you can't derive change. It's the only ones that are crazy enough to try it that do. I misquoted that completely. But I get that. And I get that. But I just like my whole life getting expense more expensive to demoralize the usage of fossil fuels. And we got the fucking icon of the sea. People wake surfing behind it off the shore of South Beach. It's crazy to me. It's cra- It's just crazy. Or, or like, I don't know. We're talking about all these people. We're going to carbon tax everyone in Canada. Like the Prime Minister flew on a jet to Jamaica over Christmas break. That, guy, that probably burnt three times as many emissions as I could even create in three years if I tried. And, you're, and I'm going to get taxed out the ass because of the climate? That's fucking insane. And I'm not... I don't know how I got on this topic. I blame Royal Caribbean. For shoving it in my face with this $2 billion ship. This $2 billion vessel with seven slides, six water tanks full of orcas. That's what their customer base is. Just a fucking bunch of lands, landlocked orcas. They got to get out to sea. Get some. They got to stop feeling claustrophobic. They're usually stuck in their door frames. These fat fucks on the cruises. We got to get them out in the water. Get some wind in their hair. Air them out a bit. Stinky as shit probably in their apartments. But like, holy. Is it not crazy? Or like I've I've just seen like um saw a volcano burp 
across the w- pond over somewhere in like the Netherlands or something. I have no idea where it was. It was somewhere over there not long ago. And like that's, it was the amount of carbon that came out of that thing. I was like, what are we doing here? I can't like, I can't drive. I can't drive up the ski hill and go skiing without an electric car. But we got the Royal Caribbean doing laps of the world. I, I want to know that. Fuck these numbers about how much it costs. Tell me what's that thing uses in gas. Because I've seen what some of my friends have to pay for gas when we're just like wake surfing. Could you imagine the Royal Caribbean? Carbon tax. Just hilarious. And the funny thing is, like, I hate to say it, but like, you don't even want to say what I just said because like, all of a sudden you're an asshole. You're insensitive to the environment. No, I'm not. But I'm, like, I'm, I'm a little bit open to reality. Just having a conversation with my girlfriend today and I just like, she's like, well, you always get so negative when you talk about politics. I'm like, well, it's hard not to from any spectrum, from any spectrum of the belief. Like, I don't think, no, neither side's probably a great option, but like, and my girlfriend and I were talking about it. It's like, you know what? It's best not to even get involved. It's best not to even talk about it because, you know, it's, it's, it's just don't let it have an effect on your life. And, And that is truly how you should think. And you know what? That's what everyone says. All these gurus online, the Instagram business gurus, the smartest people I know, they don't talk about anything but fitness, fucking, and fiscal responsibility. And I'm like, I get that. But when like at me as a Canadian, and this doesn't only, I guess, you know, I don't know what taxes are like anywhere else in the world. My tax, like at my tax rate, I, I'm paying 31% marginal taxes, which I believe goes straight to the federal government. And then I watch these fucking clowns just do the dumbest shit I've ever seen. It's actually fascinating. I try not to pay attention, but it's hard not to. Because like you're like, is this real life? Canada, severe housing crisis. Immigration levels, through the roof. Totally respect people coming over to Canada that want a better life. I'm not trying to stop that. But when we are talking about housing crisis, lack of supply... And then our deputy prime minister up in Canada gets asked a blatant question with immigration levels projected to be higher than the demand and supply and the increase of supply of housing. Do you not think that, you know, maybe we should you know pump the brakes on those levels a bit, not only for fairness of what's going on in Canada, but for the fairness of the people that are trying to come over here and actually experience something that's going to be worth their time. And she, you can, you know, when you like, you can tell when someone's not even listening when the question's being asked. Like the second she knew it, she had an idea what the direction the conversation was going to go. And you can just tell by looking at her, she's already formulating her response without even listening. And that is just a, that's a big sign of a no, no. And what does she go on to say? Some tangent, you know what these politicians are like, they say 1 million words, but they don't say a fucking thing. And then she goes on to say that as Canadians, we have the social capacity to take in these people. What the fuck is social capacity? Is that not insane? And trust me, I am pro-immigration. Like, I, we need people to come in here. We don't have, like, I'm sure the birth rates in Canada, we're not going to grow as a country if we don't have immigration policies in place. But we can't bring in everybody. And this is just a realistic conversation to have. And again, totally not the direction any, at any point I thought this episode was going to go. But like many things, such is life. So here we are, but in, you know, any, any sane person would have this conversation and, and you know that like that has to be talked about. And I've heard people mentioning things like, well, unfortunately in Canada, 
the way it's been set up right now, that foreign students are one of our biggest imported, you know, businesses. So how did that become the case? And now because we have such, we have so we're getting so much money that way, we can't stop it. So we're just going to bring everyone in. Like I have noticed a severe change in the amount of people without a home in Canada, people on the streets. I didn't see this like this when I grew up. I'm only 29 years old and I travel a lot for work and it doesn't matter what city you're in. It doesn't have to be a big city. It can be the small cities. It can be anywhere. The amount of people without a home is fucking scary. It's, it's crazy to me. And I just laugh. Like we just have all of these people in positions of power that just seems, it just, I don't know. And I'm sure that this is the same shit we've been bitching about since the beginning of time. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I am. But it's just like, they're incompetent. It's it's insane. It just, they just seem completely out of touch. The only thing I ever see get released from our government is it's never like they've actually done anything. It'll be like, we're removing the red tape to accelerate the building of 7,000 houses in Guelph. And like that, and everyone's like, right on. I'm like, what? So they're not built yet? You haven't done anything? You're, you've started the acceleration process towards these builds. And then like we have major, like we need a lot of, we need a lot more houses here. Stuff's getting expensive. And I'm not trying to pretend I'm some economist, but I think I grasp the basic idea of supply and demand. And I just laugh at all these, it's like, we're going to build 20,000 homes in Burnaby. I'm like, okay. So when those are done in 10 years, like you said, we'll need 80,000 more. The rate we're going right now. Craziness. But, you know, and trust me, I'm not saying, I'm not negating the fact that I, you know, people deserve the opportunity to come here and have a better life. But we're not giving them the opportunity if um, we're just letting everyone in with, with no real place for them to go. And, you know, we've seen so many things on, you know, shady colleges out in the Ontario region with these bullshit one-year courses that bring people in. And then they can get a job to get some sort of permanent visa and they're not even finishing school. Like, there's a lot of loopholes to get people over here. And I understand, like, Canada's a great place. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? It is the greatest country on earth. And I don't think that, uh, you know, in the last five, six years, that's kind of been eroded. I've never seen Canada kind of go from, like, Canada was always kind of in my, I mean, I think all Canadians are biased in thinking that Canada was very looked at as a very, like, neutral place where everyone was kind of cool with Canada but now like you know the way social media is and some of the hilarious shit that comes out of our politicians mouths up here like it's hard not to just like when I've spent time in the states in the last five years when you go talk to someone they tell them from they're from you're from Canada they're like oh yeah a lot of crazy laws up here and I'm like John you have a gun in your hip in the middle of the Walmart as you're telling me this there's a lot of crazy shit going on everywhere like but it is true. Like I've kind of watched the erosion of this persona that Canada seemed to have as a child. And I, I don't know, like everyone, it just seems like maybe I'm spending a little bit too much time on the tweeter on the tweeters. Cause it's, um, it's hard to, I don't know. It's also like, you know, how, like I, I, I'm trying to limit my social media usage. It is nothing but fucking hot garbage on there. And it's fascinating. 
it is it is extremely fascinating to wade through all this bullshit. But it's again exactly like these algorithms want. It's hard to look away. You know what I think everyone could use? What was that uh, Netflix doc, The Social Dilemma? Yeah, we gotta we gotta take a look at that. We we'll probably have to all rewatch that again because it's scary. You know, I grew up first cell phone was at uh, thirteen. I, think I got an iPhone sometime in high school. Like I've had an iPhone for over ten years, and I don't know. It's like you know, you do think you know like we're the first ones exposed to this mass screen time and stuff like that. Like I, it's definitely not good for us. It's definitely not good to just have access to look at all these perfect lives and perfect things in front of you. But I think that, I don't know, people my age, I think we're, we grew up with enough of the balance where that we understand how fake everything on social media is. But I don't know. You talk to some of these kids, like if I talk to kids 10 years younger than me, I don't know. I feel like they're a little bit different than I was. But again, the world's completely different. Like they, they grew up totally ingrained with screen time. And I'm not a parent, trust me. And I don't pretend that I know what it's like to have children that are uncooperative in public places or on planes and stuff like that at the grocery store. But I mean, I'm not a doctor, but maybe throwing a screen in front of their fucking face isn't the answer. It's like a band-aid on a wound that's got dirt rubbed into it. Like, I get it. It's annoying to be at the supermarket and your kid's screaming and crying. But I get to the point now that if I see a misbehaved child actually getting, like, you know, kind of disciplined and maybe not thrown into the cart with a screen in front of them, I'm kind of like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. This is how we create human beings. Like, this isn't like a... It's not supposed to be some peachy process. Life's not supposed to be some grand old trip where we get everything we want. Like, my mom's famous line, sure everyone's was, was... You'll understand when you get older. And yeah, I do. The The six-year-old in me didn't have it all fucking figured out. It, it goes out to sea. And sometimes looking at some of the ways I turned out, I'm like, God, she should have yelled at me more. She should have yelled at me more. But um, that's honestly a dark tangent, and I, and I would really like to get off that. But um, I made an ad on Kijiji, and I posted it saying that I'm looking for a podcast producer slash social media expert. And, you know, I, I've been looking at opportunities to maybe try and take the show more seriously and grow it. Um, I think anyone that's seen the Instagram in the past, I don't think those uh, those posts weren't really going to go anywhere. And at the time, I was like, yeah, like that's my cool aesthetic, shitty memes that I've made self-handedly. And I don't think, you know, I, I, it wasn't working. Maybe I just, like, wasn't doing it enough. Like, I don't know. And the funniest part was I, I've complained about this to friends of mine. And they're like, dude, didn't you do marketing in university? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, yeah. We're not talking product, price, place, promotion. We're not talking about where to put ground coffee on the fucking shelf at the supermarket. We're talking about social media and all this crazy shit that trends and all that stuff changes so quick. And I find that is the biggest key to making everything legit, is you got to have some sort of an ability, like yes, obviously you have to be able to speak, you have to have a good show, but a way to get a leg up in the comp competition is definitely, you need video, so long story short, I made this just seeing like, hey, maybe people could come and uh, help me out with this, and so the way I worded the position was basically like, 
looking for someone to come on as a podcast producer or and or social media expert. So all these people are messaging me, how much does the job pay? Um, how much is the competition? I'm like, buddy, like, what can you do? Like, I'm not like, first of all, I laugh, like the guy asking for help on the Kijiji, like maybe you could go take a quick 34 seconds on the phone you're messaging me on and go look at the pod, see it has, you know, how many episodes it has. And maybe you've never heard of it. Uh, yeah, maybe there's not much of a budget involved for paying people, but I'm, you know, my goal is to find someone that, you know, is good at this stuff that wouldn't mind partnering with me, you know, maybe we could create some content together, grow their portfolio, help my show. You could use my show as a case study to show your growth as a social media expert. You know, I've had some people messaging me too, being like, you know, I checked out the pod, it sounds okay, like I'm not really sure what you're looking for in terms of editing of podcasts. I don't really need help, I don't think, with the editing. I mean, surely when I get some more guests on, I'm not, that shit's a nightmare to me. That's half the reason why I don't have a lot of guests because the thought of taking my clip and having to insert that into another audio file for some reason gives me the hives. And so I just, I'm, I'm looking out there to see what's going on. I've had some people that have reached out that I think, uh, you know, I'm going to pursue further to work with. I've had, a, I was traveling a bit for work here, but need to get back to some of them. But I think that would be something to look into. Take this show a little bit more serious. Maybe bring a video element. Like, I, I don't know. I was always against the video element. I'm like, what are people going to sit, sit and watch me in my little studio here? But that's seemingly what a lot of people do. And, you know, cut some clips off that. Make some funny shit. Have some guests on. It'd be nice to have some guests in person. And, um, yeah. No, I, I reached out to a couple people on Twitter. I don't do a good job of that. And I was at a point, And I was getting some cool people on. And you know, that was fun. So I'd like to get back into that. So I'll reach out to some guy that like is a a Canadian guy that's like pretty into the political world. He has a podcast that's like very up to date on current events and, you know, real pretty deep shit. And I messaged him and he, he, I believe he lives somewhere around me close enough that we could probably meet in person, but he seemed all fired up. I reached out and said, Hey, I live in Calgary. I'd love to have you on the show. And then, you know, he seemed very interested. He's like, oh, that sounds awesome. Like, send me the name of your podcast. I'll listen to it a bit and I'll get back to you. And I, you know, sent him the name of the show, told him to look it up. And then, uh, yeah, I haven't heard back from him yet. But, I mean, I can imagine that when you get a message like that and then the last episode you can find is a World Junior Championship preview that was 28 minutes long um, three weeks ago. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but I'm going to have to reach out to him again because I do want to have some more guests on. I do have a lot of friends with some cool stories and some people in my network that I'm going to be able to get a hold of. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll that'll be funny, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more guests on. It'll be great. It'll be great. Um, I just, before I recorded this podcast, I was practicing for a presentation I got to do for work. And um, I mean, it's already, it's quarter to midnight here now on uh, the 16th the Tuesday here and I was uh, just in the room. My girlfriend's asleep and I was like, you know what? I'm already yapping. I'm practicing my presentation. Why don't I start yapping on the microphone? Why wouldn't I do it? But it was directly after watching the Leafs lose 4-2 to the Edmonton Oilers. I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Have been my entire life. I've never wavered. I don't always agree with what the team does, but I'm, I'm always, I will always support this team. I will love this team. And I will love this team in the way that I will hold them to a higher standard. But I just don't fucking know if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And it sucks because I'm a Leafs fan. 
And 10 years ago, if you told me we could have the star power and how fun it is to watch this team at it right now, I would have been ecstatic. And now I feel like now that it's here, like anything, you know, you take it for granted. But it's frustrating watching this team. Like this team hasn't done anything differently in the last X amount of years. That's multiple, multiple, multiple seasons right now. They have the four big guns. Their back end is whatever. I love Morgan Riley. And like, I love Giordano. Like, Brody was great. He's already 34, which I can't believe. Like I remember when he came into the league. It doesn't even feel that long ago. But Giordano, like stud, oldest guy in the league. But they just like, you look at their back end, it's missing something. And the goaltending scenario, it's just always an issue. They got Martin Jones in net right now. He's playing well. I remember him when he used to play for the Hitman. When I'd go to Hitman games with my dad, he was a stud in the Western League. And he's 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 carved out a pretty good career. He's played in a lot of places, but he's definitely no uh, slouch of a goaltender. It's no slight to him. He's come in and played really well. But they're fucking around with Samsonov and all this shit in net. All this laundry list of goalies over the years. And nothing to fucking show for it. Like, I think back to, like, even the Flames. Like, I, the Flames are my second favorite team, being from Calgary. Special place in my heart. But, like, the Flames went to the finals in 2004 and realistically haven't done a fucking thing since. But the Leafs haven't even done that. And the Flames' prior successes seem about seven ice ages ago. So, it's frustrating that I just can't... I, I have no confidence in this team right now. I honestly don't know. And I feel like everyone is really hard in the Leafs. And right now, if you're into the Leafs land or you pay attention to it all, you know, they've the last, last four games. They had leads almost in all of them. They have like two or three third period leads they've blown in the last two. Like, it's just an unserious group right now. And I see Mitch Marner after the game saying, you know, like we're ignoring the outside. Like, you know, we're staying. We got to know we got a good thing going. Well, of course you're ignoring the outside. Because the outside's been chewing you apart for five fucking years. They're fed up. Like, they, I don't care about how, like, it's like this cliche. Like, I, it's kind of like a, it's turning into not like a LA Angels, Trout, Notani scenario. But like every game, it's like, oh, Matthews is the f- fastest Leaf to score this many goals. Marner, fastest to 600 points in franchise history in a 3-2 loss to the New York Islanders. I'm like, What? And, like, Matthews is one of those, like, exciting players that, like, there's few in our lifetime. Like, off the top of my head, I can think of, like, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid. Um, and there's many. McKinnon. But Matthews is one that comes to mind that, like, when you actually watch him play and you focus on him, exciting shit happens. Like, the way that this guy can shoot the puck is world class. Like, the goal he had tonight, 20-some seconds into the game... Like, the way that Marner just passes that cross ice, and he just receives that without a stick handle, just cushions, cradles that pass, and it's off his stick in his in his windup for the shot, and he just rips it top shelf. Like, hockey's one of those sports that, like, people take for granted if you're not that into hockey because, like, you don't realize how fucked it is the shit these guys are doing out there. Like, how good these guys actually are. How good you have to be to play at that level. And that's why, to me, hockey is the greatest game. And, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's teach their own. It's it's always been my favorite game. I just liked how it has so many different aspects of it with the continuous play, the no out of bounds, the, um, you know, like the, just there's so many things about it that just make it unique. And 
you know, it's not like a sport like, uh, you know, baseball or football where it's very stop and go. Like, there's a lot of flow to the game too. You know, you can get five, six minutes without a whistle of just straight play. And that's just, like, awesome. It's fun to watch. But, like, just seeing this Leafs team, it's frustrating. And I don't know if I have a ton of faith in what they're up to. But, as always, I'm going to show up and I'm going to keep watching. Because I, lo- I love my squad. I love what they do. But uh, it's getting late here, folks. Kind of an impromptu episode, but I I love doing this. I look forward to having some guests on. Again, I like saying this because um, people do message me, and I really enjoy hearing where some of you are listening from. It always makes me laugh. So wherever you're at in uh, the world, just give me a little message, whether that's on the projects, uh, Instagram, Facebook account, whatever. Give me a shout. Tell me where you're listening at. Um, this isn't some uh, superstar show at the moment where you know I won't be able to get back to you. So give me a shout. Uh, it takes me a couple days to see it sometimes because uh, I don't know how to change my requests on Instagram. It's probably very simple, but uh, yeah, I always read. I always love it. Like um, I had someone reach out to me about I did a when I played in Fayetteville. I did a podcast that was called like Inside the SPHL, and I, I was on there with a fella. I think it's on YouTube if you ever wanted to check it out. I told some funny stories about hockey on it. But um, I, I, this person reached out to me and they said, you know, I first heard of you through that. And they mentioned the podcast and I've been listening ever since. And they were somewhere down in Alabama or Georgia. And uh, just stuff like that makes me laugh. I love hearing that stuff. I've had some other people from the Southern States reach out to me and tell me they're still listening. That always makes me feel good. So if you're in a cool part of the world and you're listening to this show, um, just give me a shout. I love hearing that stuff. And at the end of the day, I do enjoy doing these. I will continue doing these. And at the end of the day, this is, this is again, one of the strongest journalistic forces in the world. This is one of the biggest programs, maybe not statistically, but it's impact and what it's doing for society. It's, there's nothing else like the project. And that's why we are a family and, uh, the project, uh, the Podjonians, is that what we'll call you? The pod, the Podgies. I think we, I think we settled on that or the Podgies. Us Podgies, we stick together here. We're family, all right? So this is episode 70-something, and um, I really enjoy doing this. I hope you're all well. If you're up in Canada, stay warm. If uh, you're down somewhere warm, stay cool, okay? But most of all, stay fresh. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you very soon.